2: Yeah, welcome back. It's the Wendy's Big Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Tim Allen in for the boys today. No Leroy Butler, no Gary Ellerson, no Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Looks like a a nice weekend. Hopefully you can air some things out. You've been cooped up for quite a while, and thanks for listening. Appreciate that. Tom Kesnick, top of the hour. Scooter Jeanette will join us uh, in about uh, 40 minutes or so. Right now on the Great Midwest Bank hotline we find Sam Monson NFL lead analyst pro football focus Sam thanks for the time
3: No problem how's it going guys
2: It's going okay all right uh the NFL in my opinion and everything I'm reading I read a ton obviously with what we do um they ought to thank the uh, they ought to thank Major League Baseball for getting in a scuffle between its uh, union and the and and the league because the NFL to me it just seems kind of very stoic laying in the weeds and they're going to plan on this, that, and the other thing, but sort of a, in comparison, a quiet kind of comparison and a quiet kind of feel to the NFL. What is the latest Sam on the NFL and their assumption that they'll get, uh, get back playing week one?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the NFL had the biggest advantage of pretty much any major sports league, certainly in the, in the U S but maybe even in the world, because, you know, their season isn't even scheduled to start until September. So they had a lot of runway to let this thing play out and, and see what the landscape was going to look like before, before they had to do anything. You know? And they're going to get the, the benefit of a lot of these other uh, sports leagues you know, trying to come back early or trying to, to finish a season or get a season started. So, yeah, I think it makes sense that the league has to sort of bide buy it, buy it its time let some other people, you know, almost make some mistakes along the way and learn from those and just quietly kind of work on some contingency plans. And I think that's effectively what you're seeing. You know, they've set out a schedule. It's got some flexibility. It's got some, uh, some pressure points built into it that they could, you know, adjust if things, uh, if things go that way, but ultimately they're going to plan on, you know, obviously some kind of truncated off season But a regular season looking as close to normal, at least in terms of schedule-wise, as they could make it.
2: You know, uh, when when you talk to some of these players, uh, do do they feel that you know COVID's the the one thing, the one main safety factor? But you know, these guys get into a regimen, as you know, Sam. That uh, you know, maybe maybe it's an injury sort of thing, because as you said, their, their off season is a little bit different. Are they concerned about that aspect of it?
3: I mean, I think like everybody else, you know, everybody's an individual, right? And there are some players that don't care. There's some players that think, look, I'm young, I'm fit, I'm healthy. Somebody's going to pay me a lot of money to go out there and play a game. Let's get on with this. But there's players out there that have, you know, vulnerable members of their family, whether it's elderly relatives, whether it's children with pre-existing conditions. You know, not everybody is the same. Those guys – Those guys are not going to want to take this risk. Those guys are not going to want to expose their family to a higher risk than they need to. So I don't think it's – I think like everybody else, there's no one brush we can paint everybody with. Some players are only too eager to get back out there and get moving, and some players don't want to take additional risks unless it's absolutely necessary.
2: Let's uh, bring it home here a little bit to the Green Bay Packers. And, and they trade up to get Jordan Love, and Rogers was very vocal and, and transparent, saying, hey, I wasn't thrilled, you know, particularly with the pick, but he should know the other side. He was in almost the identical situation, only on the bottom end of that thing. I'm convinced that a, a good vast majority of uh, – Wisconsin State broadcasters and and writers uh, don't like Aaron Rodgers for whatever reason. He's been just, it's been so negative about Aaron Rodgers. As a national guy, how do you view Aaron Rodgers?
3: The perception about him probably is unnecessarily negatively slanted. You know, I think everybody is looking for the downside of Aaron Rodgers. You know, so I think it's getting harder and harder to dispute the idea that Aaron Rodgers uh, has declined or is in decline at the moment. You know, he isn't the player he was back in 2014 or 2011 or 2010. And it's, it's looking less and less likely that that player will ever come back again. Um, but even if you, even if you accept that, like he's still a top 10 quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is still a really good quarterback and most NFL teams would be only too happy to upgrade their current quarterback situation by having Aaron Rodgers as their starter. And yet all we're focusing on is the negative. It's the fact that Aaron Rodgers isn't the player that he used to be, and, and you know the Packers therefore clearly need to think about the future and need to think about replacing him. So, yeah, I think generally the narrative around Rodgers does appear to be strangely negative, I guess.
2: It It is just so remarkable to me how, how that occurred and how it morphed into what it's into. It's like, you know, he could, he could win a huge game with a great play, an extended play, and, and doing his thing out there, playground football. But yet the one thing the media and some of the fans are saying is that, yeah, but you didn't see him. He, he overthrew the guy in, in, in the flat. He overthrew Aaron Jones in the flat on that third down play in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's just, I don't understand. Joe Montana wasn't Joe Montana when he went to the Chiefs, but he sure won a bunch of big games. I mean, he, Joe Montana wasn't Joe Montana for a lot of the time with the
3: 49ers. You know, I'm actually <laughs> I'm reading a book right now about Montana and Young and the number of sort of great Montana comebacks that start only after he's thrown two interceptions to the opposition, you know, we, we remember what we want to remember, and we, we have a habit of forgetting an awful lot that went before it.
2: Would you, uh, w- your thoughts, though, when they, when they took Jordan Love, is that the quarterback that maybe you would have stretched for a little bit? Probably not. I mean, there's a few
3: aspects to this, right? There's one, were they right to start looking to the future for a potential Aaron Rodgers successor. And I don't, I don't know that I would have done it now, but it's hard to really hate that as a contingency plan going forward for any team. You know, I think generally speaking, it's smart, uh, future proofing of your roster to do that. So I I don't think you can hate that part. Then it's, you know, is Jordan love the player that you would go after to do that? I, I don't think he is. Because I don't know, I think his flaws are big enough that the question about whether he'll ever eradicate those enough to be, you know, a, a quality franchise quarterback are severe. I mean he makes a lot of critical mistakes. And even if you reverse back to 2018 where he was significantly better, his grade was significantly better, his numbers were better, there were still a lot of these bad plays, and he just misses too many plays for you to be comfortable with him being the answer. But then the, the, the last strand of this is for Jordan Love, this is like the perfect situation to land in because because of all these flaws and because Rodgers is there, you know, he shouldn't have to start anytime soon and he should have at the very minimum a year or probably two to work on his game and to try and fix all the negatives that would make him such a concerning prospect um, as a quarterback. So for him, it's like the, it's a jackpot. It's, it's hitting the dream scenario. For the Packers, it feels, you know, like a reach or uh, embracing um, too many flaws to be comfortable with. But in terms of, you know, looking to life beyond Aaron Rodgers, it's it's difficult to hate that as a a strategy
2: too much. You think he'll play for another team before he hangs them up? Rodgers, I think it depends on how quickly, you know, this
3: divorce in Green Bay gets pushed to a head. I think if they you know, if they force him out of the door after this season, I think absolutely. If it takes, you know, two, three years, maybe not. But this is a guy that wants to play deep into his career. And I think the other thing is it depends how precipitous this decline continues. You know, if he, if he stays at the level he's at right now, he's still more than good enough to keep cooking for a different team. If this is the start of a steeper decline and you know, in a, year, a couple of years' time, he's an average quarterback, maybe, you know, I think Rodgers might hang them up before he ekes out one more, you know, ugly year that you might prefer to uh, forget somewhere else at the end of his career.
2: Yeah. Final thing for you, Sam, uh, you've seen what the Packers did in the draft, uh, a couple of free agent acquisitions in, in Wagner, Func- uh, Funches and Kirksey, but um, in the NFC, are they with the big boys? And and by the big boys, I, I mean, obviously, San Francisco is there. But, you know, even a Tampa, Seattle, uh, New Orleans, uh, one would make the argument that the Minnesota Vikings are a pretty good football team, the Dallas Cowboys. Where do you see the Packers with what they've done uh, heading into this season?
3: Yeah, I think overall this offseason may have taken a step back for them. I You know, I we saw last season in the NFC Championship game that they were clearly not quite in the same category as the very best teams in the NFL. I know their record says they were, but I think even Green Bay recognizes that that record was a little bit of a mirage. It was a little bit flattering to how good this team was. You know, they got absolutely eviscerated by the 49ers, and the moves they made this offseason were either about building for the future or about sort of replacing you know, components that we're leaving, you know, whether Rick Wagner coming in at right tackle to replace Brian Bulaga at the minimum, that's probably a lateral move. Um, And the moves they made in the draft were obviously the future with Jordan Love. AJ Dillon is about changing the way this offense is going to look like. And I don't think that's in a positive direction. You know, they're going to this run heavy Uh, basically trying to replicate what the 49ers are doing. And as much as it's been successful for the 49ers, it's not really the way the rest of the league is trending. So I, I think this team is going to need Aaron Rodgers to be at his best for them to hang with those big boys. And they're almost trying to minimize the impact Rodgers actually has on them winning games. So it's going to be a really interesting dynamic to see how that plays out.
2: Well spoken. Sam Monson, NFL lead analyst, pro football focus. Hey, Sam, thanks for the time. Good luck. We'll uh, promote your podcast as well.
3: Thank you, guys. Take it easy.
2: All right, there he is. says he joined us here on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline.
0: Has your passion growing your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Is a great Midwest Bank dot com today simply local lending since nineteen thirty five? Yeah, the podcast you, you, you can
2: get a little crabby on you at times. I, I like it, but uh, interesting stuff from Sam Monson, there NFL lead analyst, pro football focus. Uh, we'll continue a, a football conversation in just a couple of minutes with Tom Kesnick. Interested, you heard Sam Monson say there about maybe the change in the offensive uh, game plan, if you will, or the offensive look, if you will, with the Green Bay Packers in a league that is not trending in that direction. The league is trending to let's shoot them up and let's let's have a a shootout here each and every week. 34-31, someone kicks a field goal in overtime. I mean... Is that the right way to go, and what does it mean for your fantasy football players? I know I'm sitting here with Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback uh, the last five or six years in a keeper league, and it paid off. I paid a ton to acquire him five years ago, but it paid off in a rather lucrative uh, Super Bowl win in a 16-team, five-keeper league, and Rodgers, I was just riding him for money, money, and more money, but... Last year, no money. And does that trend continue? So if you're in a similar situation, we'll ask Tom Kesnick, the godfather of fantasy, coming up in just a couple of minutes as well. Scooter Jeanette, uh, pretty interesting conversation. That might be an understatement. He'll join us uh, next uh, hour as well. It's the Wendy's Big Show. Tim Allen in for the guys today. No Gary, Leroy, Sparky. It's AM 1250
0: and 105.7 FM, The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.